You're listening to Vox Talk, the voiceover industry's number one podcast, brought to you by Voices.com. It's about voice acting, growing your business, and sharing your knowledge. Vox Talk is a show that you can be a part of. Getting involved is both fun and rewarding. It's time for this week's episode of Vox Talk with your host, Stephanie Cicerelli. Hi there, and welcome to Vox Talk. This week, we'll hear news from the Audio Publishers Association, SIGGRAPH, and about a new business called Everyday Storytelling. In the biz, Sonia Fernandez from Voices discusses what she listens for in auditions, and Steve Spiehager continues his discourse on noise in the studio and what you can do about it. The Loop, informing you of news and current voiceover events. Have you recently published or narrated an audiobook? You might be a contender for the Audis. The Audio Publishers Association is still accepting submissions for entries published from November 1st, 2013 through July 31st, 2014. The deadline for submissions is August 22nd. October 17th is the deadline for titles published from August 1st, 2014 through October 31st, 2014. Of note, there is a new award category. The Judges Award, Science and Technology, honors audiobooks that highlight advances and or creativity in the fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Are you a fan of animation? Voices.com will be exhibiting at the SIGGRAPH Conference and Exhibition in Vancouver, British Columbia at the Vancouver Convention Center from August 12th through the 14th. Once more, we'll be in the Ontario Pavilion sharing about how conference attendees can use voiceover in their productions. SIGGRAPH's commercial exhibition attracts hundreds of exhibitors from around the world. In related news, voiceover artist Ratana has created a service to help professionals communicate more effectively on the job. The business is called Everyday Storytelling. Ratana shares insights from the world of acting, voiceover and improv to help her clients become more effective presenters and communicators. Using a unique mix of real-life situations, acting exercises, and improv games, Ratana prepares people to handle conversations with anyone, with ease, poise, and authenticity. Find links to these stories and more on the Vox Talk Facebook page. The Biz, helping you grow your voiceover business. This week in The Biz, I'm pleased to present Sonia Fernandez. She's my guest, and she's a business development manager at Voices.com. One of the reasons why I'm really excited to have Sonia on is because she works with the clients who hire talent, and she also is someone who is in a position to forward auditions on to clients, and she can give us some wonderful tips on what you should do and what you shouldn't do in your audition. So, Sonia, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Stephanie. Yeah, it's awesome to have you here. So, Sonia, uh, just tell us a little bit about what you do at Voices.com and, and maybe some things about yourself. Let's get to know you. Sure. Well, I've been at Voices.com since September, and since then I've learned a ton about the voiceover industry and have had a ton of fun. Basically, what I do as a business development manager is help connect businesses with professional voice talent through the Voices.com site. So I have a book of clients that will come to me with projects that they're looking to cast for, and they give me all the details about their project and what they're looking for, and then I use the Voices.com site to find them the perfect voice for their project. 
and I have a lot of fun doing it. It's a great um, experience, and I also have a background. I'm half Italian and half Portuguese, so I use that experience to my advantage whenever my clients come to me with these multilingual projects. It's always fun to call up talent in Italy, in Portugal, or in Brazil, and speak to them in, a, in, a, in their native language and uh, invite them to audition for, for one of our jobs. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's a, a number of talent locally who we've been able to draw on as well as globally. So, so you've certainly had a great experiences there finding awesome talent. So Sonia, um, you are listening to voices every day and you're giving them instructions on, on how you would like them to sound and, and deliver the client script. And you're also relaying all of that information, I guess, that you've received from clients to those talent in terms of uh, what their expectations are. So um, when you're listening, what are you listening for? So the most important thing is when I'm speaking with the client initially, that they're giving me as much information about the project as possible so I can do my best at finding them the perfect voice. So I want to make sure that, first of all, I have great information from the client as to their project, their audience, the type of tone, and if they have any sample voices that our talent can reference, that's really helpful as well. When I'm listening to voices every day, I think the most important thing is that the talent is following direction. I'm very critical in getting the information from the client, so I expect the talent to listen and review that information and follow it. So the number one thing is if you're following the direction that's been been given to you in the job posting, that will absolutely get you listened to. Um, The other thing is if a sample script is provided, it's critical that you read that sample script and you just don't upload your generic demo as the client wants to hear what your voice sounds like reading their words and they also want to test your sound quality. Okay and you've made a very good point. They want to hear the talent reading their words not something that perhaps is on a demo of some kind. Um, Now what happens when a talent sends in a generic demo? Do they even get past that first stage or, or or what happens? I, I just I know that it is far better to send a custom demo, but just let me know from your perspective what it's like to receive an audition like that and, and where you're at. Typically, I will tell within the first second or two that it is not a custom read. And if the talent's voice is absolutely perfect for the project, I will reach out to that talent and ask them if they can record a custom audition for us and allow them the time to break, get that that custom audition back to us. It is very rare that I will send a generic demo to the client unless they've asked me for the talent's generic demos. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that's quite rare because they usually have a script and, and the expectation is that a part of that script, not all of it, of course, just a part of it is recorded. So um, aside from someone following directions and making sure that they've sent in some of the copy that's been provided, um, how can they stand out for all the right reasons? I would say do a couple takes. That's always good as well. One or two takes. I know some talent are a little weary of handing in or submitting multiple takes, but sometimes that does help to throw a fun one in in the mix um, just to show your variety and versatility. The other really important and critical thing when you're auditioning and something that I listen for is if there's any cracks or um, background noises, um, any cell phones going off, um, as well as mispronunciation of any of the words in the script, all of those things 
things really throw off the client and really send out um, red flags that the client will be less likely to select your voice if those are included in your audition. So when I hear those things, I'm less likely to pass along your audition to the mm-hmm. client. So to have clean audio, so that's kind of nothing in the background, no no cats scratching at the door because they want to eat something, or no babies crying, no toilets flushing, yeah. this sort of thing. I think we're, we're all quite familiar, and just I know that it is now, um, well, for where we live, it's, it's time to crank up the air conditioning at, at certain times, or this week, the heater, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. um, but, of course, that factors in. So um, I think Sonia definitely pointed out uh, some red flags that we're listening for, and, and certain Certainly all of the account managers and business development managers are listening for sound quality, um, just how you're interpreting that script and also for how you might fit with the brand. So can you tell me a bit more about how um, how you know if it's the right read? Like I know it's one of these, I'll know it when I hear it in some cases, but um, can you maybe just describe what a talent who is giving the right sort of read is doing? Like what are they purposefully doing? Well, Stephanie, I think the talent should be prepared and authentic. I think it's very important that the talent understand what the client is looking for, understand their brand as well as their target audience. And the audition should be meaningful. And by that, I mean it should not sound like the talent is just sitting there reading the script. I should be able to feel that the talent is playing the role that is being asked of them. Mm-hmm. Interpretation is really big. Like uh, last week, I think it was last week, I blogged about just knowing your audience. And that's something that we are responsible for helping the voice talent with is, is saying, okay, well, this is the client, here's a script, uh, and it's geared toward this sort of audience. So when someone is reading for that audience or kind of uh, expressing um, the message to those people in a way that is most meaningful to them, I'm sure that would make them stand out too. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sonia, for joining us. I'm sure we'll have you back sometime soon. Um, But uh, for now, I guess we're off to getting more voice talent, more jobs. So thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure. Thank you, Stephanie. Tech Talk, walking you through the technological landscape. Hello again, VO guys and gals from sunny southwest Florida. I'm Steve Spiehager with this week's Tech Talk segment. Today, we'll complete our look at noise that we began earlier. If you heard the first part, you'll remember that we talked about electronic noise, usually heard as hum and hiss. But today we want to address external noise, that which is picked up by your microphone from sources inside or near your home studio. Let's repeat the experiment we did last time. Make a 10 or 15 second recording of your voice at normal volume, then continue recording for an additional 30 seconds or so without speaking. After stopping the recording, delete the spoken part. Then normalize the silent part to a level of minus 3 dB or so and listen to the result. This will let you know right away what the interfering noise is and help you identify it and hopefully reduce or eliminate it. Here's the result from my studio. The main component that I hear is a little bit of hiss, some clicking from a ceiling fan, and quite a lot of low-frequency voices which are coming from the TV in the family room. I usually make certain that no one is watching television when I'm doing critical recordings, but this illustrates how it can infiltrate an adjoining room. If your recording software has an accurate metering system, you can actually determine your signal-to-noise ratio fairly accurately. 
Repeat the recording process described above, but after recording your voice and a period of silence following, stop the recording and normalize the entire recording, voice and all, to 0 dB. Actually, my software, Adobe Audition, has a favorite setting of minus 0.1 dB normalization, and the setting is fine. As you play back the normalized recording, your voice should peak close to 0 dB, but pay particular attention to the reading during the quiet period. A fairly good environment should have a reading of around minus 50 dB or so. Minus 55 is even better. My studio, with the TV playing in the next room, bounces around in the minus 40 to minus 48 dB area. Not particularly good, but perhaps tolerable after using a few tricks. First of all, you want to minimize the noise present in the room by moving a noisy computer fan away from your microphone, isolating your microphone mechanically by using a shock mount or placing the microphone desk stand on a thick foam pad. If you can't separate the noise source from the microphone, position your microphone so its back, which is the least sensitive part, is pointed at the offending noise. Look also for noise sources that you might overlook, such as air movement from ceiling fans or heating or air conditioning ducts and registers. You may need to shut the AC down and sweat a bit during your recordings to keep the noise at bay. If you live near a busy street, highway, or airport, or if someone is cutting their grass next door, there isn't much you can do other than record during low traffic times or move your studio to a basement or deeper into the interior of your home. Once you've done all you can do to reduce noise at the source, then get closer to your microphone. Your voice will be louder, but the noise will stay the same, so it will be less prominent in your final recording. Be careful, though, that you don't get so close to the microphone that you trigger the proximity effect that we discussed in a previous podcast. It will emphasize the bass frequencies, likely to an undesirable level, making your recording excessively bassy or boomy. The last trick comes into play when editing your recording. Since the background noise will be heard mostly during the space between words and sentences, you can highlight these areas and reduce the amplitude of them by 6 to 12 dB. The noise will be overpowered by your voice when you're speaking and artificially reduced during the short silent spaces. This, of course, becomes impractical when recording audiobooks or long narrations, so if you're planning to tackle these types of projects, you'd better do everything in your power to remove the noise sources, both electrical and acoustical, from your recording system and environment. That's Tech Talk on this week's podcast, coming to you from sunny southwest Florida. I'm Steve Spiehager. Till next time, strive for excellence. VoxBox, sharing your audio feedback. How do you determine who your audience is? When someone writes a piece of copy, they have a distinct group of people in mind that they are trying to reach. Messages are shaped in light of the audience's needs, interests, wants, and concerns. Now, a good piece of copy should let you know who it is targeting and how to speak to them. But what do you do if it doesn't? Like any good voiceover artist would, you'll need to dig deeper into the copy. You're going to look for clues, you're going to look at the style in which the voiceover is written, and how that copy seeks to engage the listener. What is the message saying to the person it's meant to be heard by? Let the copy paint a picture for you. Knowing your audience is absolutely crucial, and by knowing who you are in relation to your audience, you can approach them in the right way. Now, for instance, are you their friend? Um, maybe you're somebody who's in a role of authority. Perhaps you're teaching them something. Figuring out what role you as voice talent are playing, whether you're the announcer, a narrator, or the guy or girl next door, will make delivering the message so much easier. What do you think? How do you figure out who your audience is? Be sure to let us know on the Vox Talk Facebook page. 
I'm Stephanie Cicerelli. Thank you again for joining me. Remember to continue the conversation on Facebook. We'll see you next week.